Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, should we move on to Take Flight and do all of our all-star talk there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Take Flight. So this is the section of the podcast when we go around the league or just some quick hits with the Celtics themselves. But obviously the Celtics had a really prime position in all-star weekend, starting with Jalen Brown and the dunk contest. Quick takeaways from you guys. Did Jalen Brown do more to help or hurt the cause of bringing more stars into the dunk contest, because this has been a very divisive issue. It's been um, maybe more negative feedback than you think somebody like Jalen Brown would get in the dunk contest. I actually thought he did pretty good. I mean, uh, I know there was a lot of um, Twitter pushback, uh, but the dunks he was, he was doing were not easy. Um, Part of it may be like something like when he did the whole Terrence Clark tribute on the the video uh, floor, I guess. Um, That was really cool. But people outside of Boston may not understand the significance of that moment. Um, But even outside of that, I thought the dunks were athletic. He he wasn't doing just easy stuff Uh, when you saw it on replays like, oh, actually, this was this was pretty good. So I thought I thought it was actually. I thought it was a good effort. I but Mac McClung, I I agree with him him winning overall. I think uh, the one he did where he like he let go of the ball and then got it again. That was like that was cool. So you, you have to give him props for that. I thought it was cool too. I thought he had some cool dunks and he walked away healthy, which is obviously the most important thing. But like I love how he used the the kind of the dunk contest as like a vehicle to really like kind of show his creativity. Like Jalen really takes pride in like being a creative guy and doing all that like with the left-handed dunk the terrence clark like that stuff was really cool to me i did think some of the scores were a little bit higher than maybe they should have been and i think maybe that might have been a little star power favoritism there where they're kind of throwing them a bone being like all right you're helping us out participating we're gonna help you out by giving you a couple extra points but i thought it was cool uh i thought some of them were a little bit overjudged but um i thought he did a good job to be honest like it was kind of underwhelming to me in the moment. I un- I think a lot of the meaning, as you said, Esteban, like behind the dunks got lost on some of the audience in the crowd. And I think it's about putting on a show. You know, I always think of Blake Griffin with the Kia and the yeah. choir and all that. And it's like, you know, it doesn't have to be a serious thing. I thought it was great when Mac McClung brought out Shaq to dunk over Shaq. I'm like, 
That's it. Like, that's the headline. You dunked over Shaq. That that when you can explain the dunk yeah. in one sentence like that, I think that's really what carries a lot more weight than anything. So I give Jalen, like, all the props in the world for doing it. I give him props for his media availability yesterday when somebody asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, if no other stars do it again next year, like, F it. I'll do it again. Like, I love that he's making it something of – why are other guys in the league afraid of it? I like that attitude from Jalen a lot. I just maybe bring a little bit more of something into it because what is this, this streamer guy, Justin, like, does this guy mean anything to you? The guy sitting I, in the chair is like a YouTuber streaming at Kai Sinet or whatever his name I is. I had never heard of him until I okay, saw that. That makes I've me feel better. Never heard same because I'm like, is this cool? Is it are people watching this on YouTube as he probably like I, those guys make a ton of money? But I'm like, I did see something that he's only like he's like right around five feet, so nobody was really like impressed with it because of how short he is. Yeah, I saw a lot of people being like, Okay, so Jalen Brown dunked over a child, which was my original idea with Jalen Brown dunking over yeah. Deuce. I don't even think Deuce was there. That would have been up? better. But was was that dunk uh, when when the guy was sitting? Was he further out than like the guys who when they were standing? It looked like he may have been a little further out, uh, or, or was that just my perception? He might have been. I, I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. how far he was to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. I will say, um, I know we were all very uh, grumbly about the the video floor last week. That was probably the best use of it. Was there? It looked cool. Test. It looked cool when, when you know, the Terrence Clark thing. And then Jaime Hawkins yeah. had the, the Mexican flag uh, over. And I was, I, you know, top five Mexicans of all time just based off of that alone. Um, so, uh, so that part was cool. Um, and, but the rest of like the, the video floor thing was kind of weird. Like when they're doing the three point shootout, I don't know oh, how see, they, I, actually I don't know how they saw it. I like you stand like corrected. I thought, you know, granted, I was watching it at a birthday party at a bar, but like yeah. I thought it I thought it looked pretty cool during the three point contest. I was like, this is looking better than I expected it to. They were lighting it up all these neon colors and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, not always the easiest to see what's happening, but I thought for effect, maybe they don't need it. They they just like flash it at different times, you know. I just don't know how you shoot with the with the light shooting up in your eyes like that. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if, if that impacted other people's performance. I know we're, we're, we want to get into the game itself. How did y'all, well, besides the dunk contest, what did y'all like? I really liked, I thought the best event of the whole weekend was Steph versus Sabrina. Uh, yeah, that, that was one cool. was just a lot of fun. Uh, and like they, they each had more points than the, or eat more made baskets than the, um, than than Dame, uh, who won. Yeah. I, I think I think Sabrina tied it, but uh, both had at least twenty six. That was that was wonderful. I I was that do that again. Yeah, do more and see. That's the thing is, I think if you can do some different stuff, be more creative yeah. than just hey, we're rolling out these stars who are kind of giving some effort, uh, no effort in the All Star game. Here's my question for you guys, because um, we're all slightly different ages. Like people were absolutely. Uh, losing their minds over the embarrassing lack of effort. And it's like almost a 400 point game. Uh, the all-star game itself, my entire life, all I remember is people talking about how goofy the all-star game is and how stupid and meaningless it is to the point where I was going back and I was watching mid nineties highlights of all-star games to go, am I misremembering this? And I think it's all relative. It's certainly 
slower paced (laughs) than ever before. There's never been defense in it. Even in people say, oh, in the first quarters in the 90s, guys would actually go hard. Come on. It's the all-star game. And I don't know how you fix it. Um, Maybe you put different parameters on it for your scoring to this point. Maybe you just do the pro bowl thing that the NFL has done where you scrap the game altogether because guys just aren't going to try. But this this whole conversation around that it's an utter embarrassment to basketball It was gross. It was lame. But to me, it's almost always been that way, as I can remember. What about you guys? I don't necessarily remember it being ultra competitive, per se. Um, But you go and there is like the sort of there is certain lore around it where it's like, oh, when Michael Jordan like went off uh, in one of his first all star games, that that's still a big moment. and I mean, it, it it has been, even though like historically not competitive all the way through, I think the last few years where they instituted the Elam ending where, you know, it's it's a target score that works. And I'm not sure why they went away from it here, because uh, I think it's kind of clear now it with the way how the league is and how players are. If you if you just try to make it a regular game like they it, it just won't work. You have to put some sort of incentive, uh, make you have to sort of. Uh, institute competitiveness in, in the game um so i i think you i think one of the simple solutions here is just put back the eliminating that that makes the most sense to me how about this if you want to completely modify the game kind of like the nfl did with kind of going the flag football route what if they made it like a big three type of thing like a three-on-three tournament Ooh, yeah. you, you pool all that money right because they all get a hundred thousand i believe the winning team you pool mm. all that money together and then that goes to the winning team. So you get, there's more incentive money wise. And then also it's like, that's going to bring like people that's going to bring out the competitive spirit. Like you look at the in-season tournament, like people were inherently like competitive with that because there was something to prove. There was something to play. And like, if you don't like, I know the picking the starters is kind of a production. So if you don't want to go for away from that, you still pick the starters, but those are the captains. So those guys then draft the reserves. So if you have to expand the, like the pool of all-stars, you do it, but you'll still have your all-star starters because that's an honor. That's a production on TNT. The league makes a big deal out of it. And then you kind of make it a little bit more competitive. And I think fans will eat that up. So it would be like 10, 10 teams of three uh, on like a, a what? And I guess you could split it between two days. Yeah. That, that could make sense. Yeah. 10 te- and sense. go to like 11, like nothing crazy, but like just give some competitive nature. Like, I don't know how many people watch the new Pro Bowl this year, but I mean, yeah, just a thought. I think it, that sounds a little bit more like of what the NHL did. Right. Yes. Yeah. Three on three format. And we're struggling with something similar at the end of the day. It's an exhibition match, you know, and so to pretend like it's something else. The other thing I would say is it's not really for us. (laughs) It's for it's it's a honorary weekend for players. And it's also uh, it's for little kids. Like a lot of it is for little kids who are into basketball. And so. I got to say, at some point, a six-year-old man who has been following the league for 50 years, it's, it may not be for that person. Uh, it, it, the nuclear option I thought about, if you're Adam Silver, and I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with this, but do you make it, if you want to be about competitiveness, say, who, whichever conference wins 
gets home court advantage in the finals. That team, no matter what team it is, that 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 conference gets the home court advantage. This is the kind of ideas that I love because it's the same thing with the uh, in-season tournament. If you want this to have actual bearing, the only thing that you can do is either offer a lot of money, and it would have to be a lot of money for what your all-stars already make, especially with the number of super max contract guys that routinely make it, or it has some bearing on the playoffs which is the real thing, the real season that matters to these guys. I think that there would be a total cluster F, like just a storm <laughs> of controversy, but maybe that's something good. Like maybe that's what the league needs a little shake of. Forget it, changing the three point line or taking away corner no. threes or something. You know, we all of a sudden have some implication with the playoffs from all-star weekend. I I I think you could like just float it out there as a warning. He's like, listen, you do it. You do it the right way, or we're gonna do it my way, and we'll and we'll we'll see which way, which we'll see which way you like better. Uh, I, I honestly, that sounds more like a David Stern sort of uh, iron fist move, but uh, but who knows? Absolutely, and you'll do it with your shirts tucked in. Um, <laughs> let's move on, because Terp, you wrote a great article for wei.com this week. Uh, it was about twenty five numbers that tell the story of the Celtics season so far. You're the stat master, so you threw out a ton of stats about illustrating uh, how good the Celtics have been for this first part of the season. I have to say my favorite stat here because it's just like so simple to illustrate who the Celtics have been. You had in here a 99.9% chance for team to for the Celtics to finish first in the East, which I like because it feels like there's some kind of company behind this stat that's saying legally you can't say there's a 100% chance. You can only say 99.9 and we will not be held liable for this. Uh, I, I the East is just not threatening to me with the Celtics and it's not about seeding. Like I think they're going to be first in the East. But other than the heat, which I think the Celtics have some kind of like, I don't know, they have a voodoo doll of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or something uh, that Pat Riley is messing with. Like, other than that, I just we'll see with the Knicks this weekend. Terp, you're going to be there in New York in person. I can't wait to hear your account of it. All my uh, boogeymen for the Celtics live in the West. I'll put it that way. Yeah, they're 31 and six against Eastern Conference opponents. 31 and six. Like, that's incredible. And one of those losses came against Charlotte, and that was the overtime loss, which also happens to be their only loss against a sub 500 team. It's like, when I was looking through it, I was like, wow. Like, I knew they were. They were really good, but I didn't notice like just how good they were, especially in the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, seven games is a lot, but like they are really head and shoulders above the Eastern Conference. And I don't think anyone really saw it coming that way. Like Milwaukee was a team that people kind of feared once they got Dame, and it just hasn't been that way. And I'm with you 100%. Like all their boogeymen are in the West, and that's why this stretch of upcoming games is going to be so crucial. Yeah, was that the number that impressed you the the most, uh, Terp, was, was their record against the East? I think so. Yeah. When I, when I, cause like, I know they like, they only have 12 losses. So like I knew a right. handful were on the West and a lot of them were on the road at the beginning of the year, but they've only lost three at home. But like, I thought the record against the East really impressed me. Cause like, that's impressive. Like they're that, that the East is like two through sevens really, really close. And then Cleveland's obviously um, kind of climbing their way up. So I, that was the yeah. number that probably impressed me the most. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me uh, reading through that, uh, which we, again it was, it was very well done. We're well researched. I think it was the 
at the time because this was pre All Star uh, plus uh, five fifty six point differential, which I is probably higher now after last night. Uh, largest in the NBA uh, at the time. Next highest team was the Timberwolves uh, plus three ninety nine. Uh, that's nuts. That's nuts to be that far away from the second closest or from the closest team uh, with that just large of a margin of, of point differential. Um, I I that I think that was the most eye popping thing that that came out to me. I was just like, wow, this team uh, not only can score and you will stop you from scoring. Um, yeah, that was I I think that is uh, very foretelling of, of what they they can do d- down the stretch. And to give context, as we've talked about before, that stat is happening in a league where offense may be more high-powered than ever before. I mean, we are like in the offensive glory days of the NBA. Uh, So check that out if you haven't. Go to WEI.com. Check out Justin Turpin's 25 numbers that – well, wait. Let me get this exactly right for you, Turp. 25 numbers that tell the story of the Celtics season so far because it's really great. Um, That's it. Yeah, there's a lot more stats to crunch. But Terp, as I just said, you're going to be at uh, Madison Square Garden on Saturday to see the Celtics and the Knicks, uh, a game that we have been looking forward to. Along with that, of these upcoming games, and Terp, again, you just, you know, feet on the street. You've been doing the work this week, but you had a great tweet about how often the Celtics are going to be in prime time coming up, which we're all looking forward to. But of these matchups. Which games are you most looking forward to for the Celtics to kind of get an indication of who they are? We've got Nuggets on March 7th. They host OKC in April. Uh, They're at the Cavs in March. They host the Knicks in April on my birthday, actually. (laughs) Might need to check that out. Uh, They play the Suns twice and they play the Bucks twice, a home and away. Uh, Out of those games, what are you guys looking at? I, uh, this is... Not something I think is um, something that can be quantified per se. And we sort of mentioned it with this idea that the Celtics boogeymen are in the West. Uh, But just looking at throughout their losses, the teams that they have seemed to struggle with the most are Western contenders. Um, So I'm really interested in seeing, okay, so they have the rematch against the Nuggets. Uh, They're going to have OKC here. How do they how do they deal, deal with those teams? Um, they they lost to both of them. I think that's for me again. It's I don't think it's a storyline or a thread per se. Just something I've noticed that yeah, like those teams um, for whatever reason they they just have had hard times with, and they're both very good. So I think that to me uh, is going to be really interesting. And I think their their games against the Cavs and the Knicks, just because those are the two teams right now, I feel like are the most threatening to them in the East. Milwaukee. It, given all of the context, uh, the discussion around Doc Rivers this week is in a weird place. Um, so I, I think I, I would say, yeah, Nuggets and OKC, those, those are the games that I was like, you circles like this could be a finals preview right here. And I think one people might be overlooking is that one when the Warriors come to town on Sunday. I think it's March second. Oh, yeah. The Golden State Warriors come to town, and I know they're I think one game above five hundred. They've been struggling, but that's a team that beat you earlier in the year in December. And obviously that's been your big brother. Like that's a team you haven't been able to figure out since the 2022 finals, even last year when they played at TD garden, that went into overtime and it's a game that really shouldn't have went into overtime. Steph Curry did his thing. They kind of turned it back, turned the tide. So I think that's another one, really that stretch of golden state 
at, uh, at home against Golden State, then to Cleveland, which is the two seed, then at Denver. That's a tough three-game stretch, and I think that's going to tell a lot about this team. Absolutely, especially because if you look at last year, you started to see a similar kind of fall-off in February, and then the, the slide really came in March. That's when the wheels came off of what was looked like a bona fide championship contender uh, at the beginning of last season. I think it's just got to be OKC for me. Like I, we talked about this weeks and weeks ago. What will it take for OKC to really have more of a national platform or more of a, a higher profile is maybe the better way to say that. And I'm excited to see SGA. Like I just I, I love a matchup that is two greats going up against each other that you don't get to see a lot. And so seeing Tatum and SGA kind of duke it out to me, that's my number one. But, you know, you- hey, we got spoils of riches coming up. It, it feels like the playoffs are a thousand years away, but there's a lot of good stuff in between. And we will be covering it all with you. Anything that you guys want to add, young Terp, I'm a little nervous about you going to Manhattan for your first time as be a full-blown adult. I know you're working, but just, you know, keep in mind, just because the bars stay open until 4 a.m., you do not need to be there until 4 a.m., okay? That's right. That's Take right. it easy. Take it in stride. Remember, this is, you'll be back, I promise. I did want to just want add one thing. You mentioned the national spotlight for Oklahoma City. Can you believe that Boston OKC game is not nationally televised? It's a travesty. Can I mean, we do they, can we flex this? Wait, the upcoming one? Yeah, the upcoming one. Well, they just flexed the Cleveland one, so they can flex it. I I would have to think that one gets flexed, right? Like we've had we've already had this discussion season. before. This is crazy. Like, like how is that not because OKC televised? just isn't in prime time. I, they have to be after after this year. I think like we'll see a lot of changes in that. But like that's that's crazy. They haven't flexed that yet because like since December, like we've been talking that this is a potential finals preview, and it still yeah. hasn't been flexed. But they flexed the Cleveland one, so I yeah, guess we'll see. There are two pet causes for the Slam podcast. It is respect for Derek White's name and get OKC into prime time. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why OKC is a pet project of a Celtics podcast, but that's where we are. I like it. Uh, the last thing I'll add, uh, I have to say maybe my favorite thing from this week was bored Jason Tatum on Twitter. Uh, he's had a couple of great tweets where he like retweeted Ronaldinho in his uh, jersey. Y'all see this on Survivor no. Turkey? Apparently Ronaldinho, the soccer legend, made an appearance and he was in a full Jason Tatum uniform, which was weird. But then my favorite one, <laughs> Uh, just a few days ago, uh, Spurs Muse tweeted out a list of players with 15 plus All Stars, 15 plus All NBA appearances, and 15 uh, All Defensive uh, teams. One person, Tim Duncan. Tatum retweets it just with the the caption, uh, "Him Duncan." So my two universes uh, crossing over there. It was a uh, shout out, shout out Jason Tatum. Who knew? Uh, a huge Tim Duncan fan. Well, he gets the comparisons a lot, right? With the way that his that well the way that he carries himself, I should yeah, say. Yeah, that makes his sense. Leadership that makes sense. style. His yeah, leadership very, style very is laid Tim back. Duncan-esque. That's yeah. what when people ask, can Tatum be a leader? Look at Tim Duncan. That's a whole other conversation. I'm sure we'll have it on this podcast. So keep on listening. Um, wherever you found us today, you can continue to find us, but YouTube, Odyssey app, Spotify, uh, follow us on Twitter. We're not on the Instagram, but we will be on the Instagram. Like the old Facebook uh, at some (laughs) point, I promise. All right. Thanks, guys.